1 Samuel chapter 3, start in verse 1, reading from the King James Version of the Bible. The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious. It was rare in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli, the older man, the priest, laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. I want to talk to you today on a really important subject in your life, not just in this season. I want to speak from the Bible about hearing the voice of God. God bless you. Please be seated. Hearing the voice of God. God is not the strong, silent type. He's strong. He has all power in heaven and in earth. But he is not silent. He is a speaking God. Job said God speaks once, yes, twice. Man doesn't even perceive that God is speaking. The Bible teaches that God speaks in multiple ways. He speaks through general revelation. He speaks through nature and conscience. The Bible said that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day into day utters speech, night into night utters knowledge. There is no place where their voice and their language is not heard. God is a speaking God and he speaks through creation. When the sun came up this morning, God was saying, I am real. I am a God of order. I am the God of the universe. I'm a God whose mercies are new every morning. In Romans 1, Paul said that the things that you cannot see are understood by the things that are made by the natural world, even God's eternal power and Godhead. God also speaks in the conscience of men and women. You can educate your conscience. You can sear your conscience with a hot iron. Paul said, I trust I have a good conscience toward God and men. But the Bible said that God speaks to the hearts of people in their conscience, bearing them witness, either condemning them or accusing them, accusing or excusing them. God speaks in the conscience of man. But that's not always reliable. I'll come back to these next points later, but God speaks through special revelation. More than just the generic revelation of nature, our conscience, God speaks through his word, the Bible. We have a more sure or reliable word than visions, dreams, or prophetic gifts. God speaks through his word. And he also speaks through his spirit, the impressions of the Holy Spirit that guide and direct us according to the word of God not separate from, not different from the word of God, but pointing specifically to what God would say to us in a given time in our lives. The Spirit speaks expressly or specifically in the last days that there will be perilous times. God is a speaking God. Amen? 
He is not the silent type of God. Adam and Eve heard the voice of God walking in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. Abraham heard the voice of God call to him to get out of your country and kindred and go to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will make you great. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And in you and your descendant, naming Jesus Christ or meaning Jesus Christ, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Moses heard the voice of God at the burning bush and became a deliverer. Joshua heard the voice of God, I was thinking of Joseph. Joshua heard the voice of God and, uh, in, and he obeyed the voice of the Lord to be strong and of a good courage. David heard the voice of God to build the temple that we're talking about in this campaign. Daniel heard the voice of God. He prayed to God three times a day. Paul heard the voice of God, saw God in a vision, and he said, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. Barnabas heard the voice of God, and having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. God speaks, and if we're wise, we listen, we recognize, and we respond to or obey the voice of God when it speaks in our lives. Now, the story today is about a, a, a young man, probably about 12 years of age or so, according to the historian Josephus, he was miraculously conceived and born to an older woman named Hannah, who had been barren, and her husband, Elkanah. In gratitude to God, Hannah vowed this. She prayed a prayer in church, and she said, Lord, if you will give me a child, a son, I will lend him back to you all the days of his life. Samuel was a Nazarite from birth. So she has this boy, Samuel, and gives him back to God. It is interesting that God blessed Hannah for her sacrifice. She returned Samuel to the Lord, and God blessed her with three sons and two daughters. He blessed her five times what she gave back to the Lord. He's a speaking God, and by the way, he's a blessing God. Samuel lived in a time when the light of God's favor was growing dim in Israel. Eli, this man of God, was growing older. Hearing from God was a rarity. There was not a lot of openness to God. There was no open vision, so no open hearts, no open vision. Eli allowed his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to take advantage of women who came to worship. They resented or despised the portion that belonged to them that God had allocated and took more than what was provided. There was a sentence of judgment that was hovering over Eli and his sons and all of Israel. You may remember the name Ichabod, the grandson of Eli. That means the glory is departing as the ark was taken away by the Philistines. In his old age, Eli lost his physical vision. His eyes grew dim. But more tragically, in his older age, Eli 
lost his spiritual vision. He cannot clearly see what God was saying. And he cannot speak on God's behalf to Israel. He looked the other way to injustice. And he really gratified himself and his family on what was provided by God. Samuel, lent by his mother and father to the Lord, is literally living in the house of God in the temple. He is sleeping where the Ark of the Covenant is, that symbol of the presence and power of God. Here is Samuel, living in a time of spiritual decline, corruption, complacency of people, backsliding Israel. But Samuel, in the middle of that kind of a culture, learned how to hear the voice of God. And I should say to you that right now in your life, no matter what is going on, no matter your background, no matter your circumstances, if you want to hear the voice of God, you can and nothing and no one can stop you from hearing what God is saying in your life. One night when the lights were going out, Samuel was drifting off to sleep. Samuel, 1 Samuel 3 and 4, the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. It was a voice that Samuel did not recognize. He had never heard it before. He assumed that it was the voice of Eli. Maybe it sounded like the voice of God. I don't know. But Samuel heard this voice. His feet at the floor. The Bible says in verse 5, he ran to Eli. I like proactive people. I like people that move, you know, not just kind of saunter around. Samuel gets up and he runs. That's good preaching for some of you, that little sluggish, you know, all the young people going to get their first job. Samuel's got his first job. He runs to Eli and he says, uh, you called me? And Eli said, I, I didn't call you. Go lay back down. And he went and lay down. Now, Eli must have thought that Samuel was imagining things, hearing things. Maybe Samuel thought he was hearing things. So he went back to bed, shrugged his shoulders, and didn't give it a second thought until the voice spoke to him a second time. Verse 6. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you did call me. And Eli said, I, I called not my son. Go lie down again. Now, the Bible then gives us this little insight in verse 7. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He would come to know the Lord. But in this moment, he doesn't know the voice of God. And neither had the Lord yet revealed unto him the word of the Lord. So he never heard this voice that didn't know what it was. I have a feeling that Eli is a little weary with this, but we don't know that for sure. Everybody goes back to sleep, goes back to bed anyway, and uh, it happens a third time. And the Lord, verse 8, called unto Samuel again the third time. He arose and went to Eli. He said, here am I, for you did call me. I know you call me. Quit playing games with me. 
Is this some kind of a test? And finally, Eli, da-da, the lights go on to this dim-hearted man. Verse 9, therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee. I, I, I'm sorry, this third time Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. I'm sorry I didn't say that. But then he says, I want you to go lie back down. And if he call thee, that you shall say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. If I was Samuel, I think I would have been rehearsing those lines over and over. While Eli's eyes were growing dim and his ability to hear the voice of God was not what it once was. It was not as sharp as it used to be. Samuel is now learning to hear the voice of God. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Eli, even in this state of mind, recognizes that God is speaking to Samuel. Verse 10. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. This time, he calls his name twice. In the Bible, when the Lord calls your name twice, it's significant. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat. It's like your mom or your dad using your first and middle name. Daryl Wesley, I'm in trouble. Samuel, Samuel, and then Samuel obediently said, speak, for thy servant heareth. It's an amazing thing if you continue reading that story. Not now, please. God tells Samuel some things that are kind of hard to comprehend, that God would speak to a young, early adolescent boy. A young man, God would tell him, about the demise of Eli and his sons and the judgment that would come on them forever and ever because they did not regard the voice of God and were not serving the Lord. You never know what God is going to speak to you. Amen. You may be a young child, a young a person, a, a teenager, but never discount how much God trusts you and wants to speak to you. Amen. I want to hear the voice of God. There are a lot of voices calling to you today. Voices calling your name that are not the call of God. It may be the call of compromise to live a lesser life. It may be the call of complacency to just chill out and not give it your best. It may be the call to success outside of the kingdom of God and the blessings of God. It may be the call of temptation like the serpent calling Eve or Potiphar's wife calling to Joseph. There are many deceptive voices wanting to speak into your life. And it is imperative that you learn how to differentiate the voice of God from the other voices and learn to obey the voice of God when you hear him speaking to you. Practice those lines. Speak, Lord. Your servant heareth. Listen, God 
Here I am. I am listening for your voice. I want to assure you today that God wants to speak to you. I know that you may think that God only speaks to people when he calls them to be preachers or missionaries or to leave everything and walk away. But I assure you that God is not the silent type. And he wants to speak into your life in a specific way. Not just through general revelation of nature and conscience. But specifically through his word and by his spirit, God desires to speak to you. He may speak to you in this church service today. He may speak to you in the quiet of your room in a day when you push back the noise so you can hear from him. I've tried to learn to silence the world around me so I can tune my ear to the voice of God. We live in a world of constant simulation of audio, visual, or voices speaking to us in our life. Not all evil voices, but always something inputting us, programming us. But I challenge you this week as you pray and fast, as you seek God, that you push back from the noise and you find a place of silence and you say, Lord, speak to me for your servant is listening. His voice is the most important voice that you will ever hear. I've learned that there are there are some hindrances to hearing the voice of God. Most notably is stubbornness, rebellion. We don't want to hear his voice. The Bible says if you have ears to hear, if you have the capacity to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Bible said that some people had the capacity to hear, but not a heart to receive what they heard. Zechariah spoke of Israel who had stopped their ears. And the Bible said they pulled away the shoulder they did not want to hear. In Stephen's sermon in Acts chapter 7, at the end of that sermon, the Bible says that they, they literally stopped up their ears and they ran on him and stoned him to death. They, they had a stubborn heart and refused to hear the voice of God. In Revelation 3 and 20 Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you read that and study it, it means I'm constantly knocking. I'm standing here as a presence in your life. And, but then the Bible said, If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And in Revelation, I will sup with him. I will dine with him. I'll talk with him and, and he can talk to me. Here's what I see in this verse, that God says that it is up to your initiative to open the door. He allows the lock to be on the inside. And if you ignore his constant knocking, then God will not barge his way into your life and fellowship with you. But if you will open the door this week, if you will open the door in your life today, God will speak to you. Amen. Quit holding that stop sign up to God. No trespassing, God. Not here, not in this area of my life. I'll do what you say there, but not over here. You should have full access to every facet of your life. You have, you have Samuel's problem about hearing the voice of God. He's not rebellious. He just doesn't recognize. 
He's never heard that voice before. And when God speaks to him, he, he thinks it has to be a human being. And God audibly speaks to Samuel. Amen. When I was a teenager, I wondered and was trying to learn how to recognize the voice of God. Not as a preacher to come up with a sermon. As a teenager trying to find direction for my life. I, I asked, how do you know the difference between the voice of the devil, my own voice, and the voice of God? I want to know the voice of God. My Uncle Mike, who was a pastor, told me that sometimes when God speaks to you, it's, it comes into your mind, but it doesn't pass through your ear. It didn't go through your auditory system, but God speaks into your mind. God can speak audibly. He can speak by impressions. But here's what, what I was taught about the voice of God and the voice of the devil and my own voice. The devil will never tell you to pray. That's a no-brainer. The devil is never going to tell you to turn from your sins. If you're feeling that you need to go ask someone to forgive you, that is not the devil. If you feel you need to forgive someone, that is not the voice of the devil. He is a divider, not a reconciler. So I've learned that there are some things that the devil's never going to speak to me. He hates God. He hates you. And everything he does in your life is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But what if it's my voice? What if it's my voice that I think I need to fast or pray or give? What if it's not God, but it's something good? I would rather do something good and it be my initiative than to risk not obeying the voice of God. And I'll give some other insight into this a little later in my message. There's so many voices. But right now, I want to hear the voice of God. Amen. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but you are capable of recognizing thousands of different voices. Some researchers say that you can remember an, unnumber, an unlimited number of voices. They say that you can recognize the voice of a friend or a relative after them speaking just two words. If it's your wife, just one word. <laughs> Honey, dear, Daryl, that's all I need to hear. And then speak. Carol, thy servant is listening. <laughs> listening. To that voice. You have the ability to recognize many, many voices. Verse 7 told us that Samuel did not know the voice of God. He never heard it before. Don't be too hard on Samuel for just trying to learn what the voice of God felt like and sounded like when it spoke into his life. I've learned that one reason people have a hard time hearing the voice of God is that there's a lot of competition. I've already alluded to this, but so many other voices that you have given access to your life and no time for God to speak to you. If you open every app 
on your phone but your Bible app. If you open every other book but the good book, no wonder you have a hard time hearing from God. There's too much competition in your life from music and media, even if it's good stuff, but no room for God in your life. Amen? And then sometimes we just feel like we're not a candidate to hear the voice of God. And why in the world would he speak to me? He's not calling me to be a missionary to the Congo. He's not calling me to sell all and follow him, although he might be. Does God only speak to people about ministry matters and being used in the gifts of the Spirit and being called to distant lands? I hope you don't think that. But when I read the Bible, God speaks to his people who will listen to him about all of those things that we consider spiritual. But he also speaks to you about relationships and decisions and business matters in every facet of your life. Why would he tell us to acknowledge him in all our ways if he wasn't interested in giving us guidance in all of our ways? God wants to speak to you and give you an edge that only his voice can give. So don't think that you're not eligible for God to speak to you. Open your heart. Don't be stubborn. Don't make God compete. With everything else in the world, give God some time. I'll never forget the first time I told the Lord I would give him an entire day. And I just went off with my Bible and a notepad in the woods next to the Bible college. And I was bored out of my mind for a while. I, there were no cell phones back then. If they were, they were only like super rich people had them. And I was wanting to hear the voice of God. So I was there and trying to think, and then I saw a little pond, and I wondered if I should fish in that little pond, and well, I'm going to spend some time with God, and there's all this competition, but throughout that entire day, I learned that if I would hang in there and not get too bored and not give up, that if I would wait on the Lord, that he would speak to me. I believe that God is speaking to you today, that he has a lot that he wants to say to you, and now is the time in the season of our church, and in your life to hear the voice of God. How does the voice of God sound? What is it like? Well, you know, to Samuel, it sounded a lot like his spiritual leader. And I do believe that God speaks through spiritual leaders. He chose by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God speaks through the preaching and teaching of his word. To every person who lives under the roof of your parents. The voice of God sounds a lot like the voice of your parents. Just letting that sit there for a few minutes. Seconds. Amen. It's amazing how many young people somewhere in their teenage years. They think their parents IQ goes way down. And their IQ goes way up. But then in early adulthood, they realize that all along their IQ was way down. 
and their parents was way up. It's amazing how smart your parents get when you become an adult. The voice of God sounds a lot like the voice of your parents. You're to obey your parents and to honor them. It is the first commandment with promise, and I could not leave this out of my message today. It's amazing how people want to hear from their parents until they know their parents are going to tell them something that they don't want to hear. Don't date that person. Don't go there. That's a mistake. I did not say this in the 9 o'clock service, but I feel to say it now. If God has always spoken to you through that voice, he is still going to speak to you through that voice. Tune your ear to hear the voice of God. Amen. God speaks through the deep impressions of the Holy Spirit. That still small voice of God that will speak into your spirit, giving guidance to the word of God. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. It is the spirit that guides the word to speak into your life at specific times to give you guidance and direction. The Lord will speak you and we compare spiritual things with spiritual things as God speaks to you. God can speak through visions and dreams as he did to many in the Bible, Joel, that prophet, tells us that old men shall dream dreams and young men shall see visions. God speaks like that. God speaks to you through the multitude of counselors where you will find safety. Proverbs 11 and 15 and 24 all repeat that idea that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. When you're making a big decision, don't make it on your own. Look to elders in your life who have been there to guide you. It is God's way of protecting us from big mistakes. Amen. I thank God that in my life I've been protected from mistakes because I was willing to listen to the voice of God through the voice of counselors. Godly men and women who spoke in my life. The voice of God is most clearly spoken through the Bible. It is a more sure word of prophecy. Second Peter 1.19 tells us that holy men of God wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. The Bible is the clearest expression of the will of God for your life. And if there's something in the Bible that God is speaking to you to do or to not do, don't expect God to speak to you about something that's not specific in the Bible if you're not willing to do what the Bible already tells you to do. You want God to reveal mysteries to you? Start with opening your Bible and let God open his word to you. The Bible is not a rule book. It's a roadmap for life. It is God's owner's manual of how to get through life and how to get to heaven and not be lost in hell. Sometime read through that longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, to see the many ways that the word of God will bless you. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. God speaks many ways. But when he, when he talks, what's he saying? What does God say when he's talking to us? Well, first of all, the voice of God 
calls everyone to salvation. Amen. He calls us to repent. Times past, Paul said, God looked the other way, winked at these things, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. That's what God calls us to. He calls us to salvation. That's why he died. He called us to come lay down our heavy burden and come to him, and he would give us spiritual rest. He told us that he's standing at the door knocking. The voice of God always calls you first to salvation. And if you're not saved, don't expect God to speak to you about all the other things you would like for him to talk about when you've ignored his voice to turn your life over to his lordship. That's your first step toward hearing the voice of God. God calls us to sanctification. That's actually becoming holy. God calls all of us out of darkness and into light. He calls us to be a holy, separate people by the sanctification of the Spirit. He calls us to be conformed to the image of his dear son, Jesus Christ. This is what God calls us to, to salvation and to sanctification. And God also calls us to service. He calls us to make a difference in the world. He saved you to serve. He gifted you with abilities and, and all kinds of spiritual gifts so that you would serve. And the Bible says that by giving God your entire life, it is your reasonable service. God equipped us and called us for that purpose. And he put every one of us in the body of Christ as it has pleased him to a place to make a difference. That calling can be general to serve where you're needed. It may be more specific to call where you're gifted, but all of us are called to serve in the kingdom of God. We're called to salvation. We're called to sanctification. We're called to service, but we are also called to sacrifice. Amen. Discipleship, Jesus said, is the call to take up your cross and follow him. Just where did Jesus go with his cross? He didn't go to a place that you should never go. He didn't go for a walk. He went to Calvary where he gave his life on the cross. And he said, if you want to be my disciple, then you need to love me more than every other relationship, your father, mother, sister, brother, your own life also, and take up your cross and follow me. Go to the same place I went with my cross, which was the place of total surrender or obedience to the call and will of God. That is what my cross is. My cross is the test of total obedience to the will of God. When I hear his voice and recognize that it is God calling me and he calls me to sacrifice, I should go where he calls me to go knowing that there is joy on the other side of sacrifice. Praise God. The Apostle Paul said, I am willing to spend and be spent. I've learned in my life and ministry that there are some things I do and I spend my time and energy by choice. I spend. But then in my life and ministry, there's a lot of things that I do that I do not choose. I am spent. It is what service is all about. That you serve when God needs you 
when God wants to spend you, you don't choose how you're spent. We are like coins in the hands of the master that we have no right to tell God to spend me this way. But I learned from a sermon in my teenage years that I belong to God and I'm to glorify God in my body and in my spirit, which belongs to God. And when God chooses to spend me a certain way, then I just say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. Specifically, in this season in our church, in this Imagine Vision campaign, God is calling our church to sacrifice for the kingdom of God, to build his kingdom. That's what we've been praying and preaching about, and together as a church, we've been imagining what the future will be as we give our resources for God's glory. And now is a time to be tuned into the voice of God. That's why so many Wednesday night prayer meetings. That's why days of prayer and fasting. I thank God that the commitment from our church has already started even before we said much about the campaign. Just in the early weeks, people were having miracles happen in their life and giving generously to the kingdom of God. I was thinking and speaking about this recently of the, of the model of giving of 1 Chronicles 29 in the building of the temple, the first temple. The Bible said that David, the king, the leader, he gave generously and sacrificially. The Bible said that if you add it all up, it's about $6.6 billion that David gave. Then after he gave, he asked his leaders how many of them would follow his sacrifice. And the Bible said in 1 Chronicles 29.6 that the tribal heads, the leaders, the captains, the generals, they all gave willingly, and the way I calculated, it's about $11.1 billion that the leaders in Israel gave. And you can go back and see the amounts of gold and calculated in today's numbers as of a couple days ago. I know you may have heard this because word spreads really fast, but this week, a group of leaders in our church made a preliminary commitment to the Imagine Vision campaign. That amount as of last night is $2,648,716. Would you just take a moment to give glory to God that we are on our way with $2.6 million committed? I say thank God and to God be the glory that God is speaking and we are listening to his voice. Amen. That amount is going up already. David gave, the leaders gave, and then the rest of the nation gave. I've asked numerous times, researched the cost of the temple. It was in billions and billions of dollars. But the lowest I've ever seen is 33 billion, 87 billion. Just this week I researched it again. You know, there's a lot of inflation, right? $150 billion. The cost of building the temple in today's money, whatever it was, billions and billions of dollars. And it was given in free will offerings by the people. There was no bank to go borrow any money from then. David asked, who 
will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today. It is an amazing thing. So more generally than imagine, because I care about your life and your eternity. I'm asking you today to learn to hear the voice of God. Recognize that it is his voice. And then be committed to obeying whatever God's voice speaks to you. Specifically to imagine, I'm encouraging you to pray and listen and obey. And I felt like I needed to say it this way. Do not fear what you hear. Has God ever told you something and it scared the daylights out of you? Whatever the daylights are. I don't know if I've ever had the daylight scared out of me or not. There's been some times in our life, my wife and me and our ministry, that God said some things that were far beyond anything we could ever fathom. <clears throat> but do not fear while you hear when God speaks to you. If God calls you to great sacrifice, it is only because God intends to pour out on you great blessing. If you give, it shall be given unto you. God will never be in debt to you. And in more ways than just financial blessing, God will always bless you when you put his kingdom first. When it comes to imagine or your life in general, you have resources. Don't just think about putting them on the table for discussion. Why don't you put them on the altar so that God has access to them? I'm talking about everything you have. Not that you should give everything you have, but put everything you have on the altar. And then as Brother Mitchell said last week, when God tells you what you can take back off, that's yours to keep and be a steward of. What he says he wants, that stays on the altar. That is what God is calling us to do. Sacrifice, giving something up to give to something greater. Liquidating assets, one-time commitments. We'll do that on May 21st, that Sunday. But I want to hear the voice of God. Amen. I want to hear God's voice when he speaks to me. But I also want to assure you of something today. That while we want to hear the voice of God, I assure you that God knows your voice and he hears your voice when you go to him in prayer. When Moses talked to God, the Lord told Moses, Moses, I know you by name. In John 10, Jesus said, the sheep know his voice and he calls them, his sheep, by name. There are something like 7.88 billion people in the world. And I assure you that God knows every one of them. And he knows all their names. And you're asking maybe, is God that smart? That he knows every person in the world and he knows them by name? I just want to tell you that's nothing. 
for God to know that. For they estimate that there are 200 billion trillion stars in the universe. And the Bible says that God numbers them and he calls them all by their names. So knowing your name and knowing your voice is no big deal for God. Your voice matters a whole lot more. He never gets your voice confused with anybody else. I've done this before. I know who people have done this. You know, like, God, this is me. It's Daryl. I'm standing here. You know where I am. I don't, not hearing from you lately. And uh, can I get a witness? Anybody ever felt like that? Have a little talk with Jesus. Let him talk to you. And take all your needs to the Lord. Open your heart to hear the voice 